<laughs> it's so wonderful to see more and more chairs being filled up every Sunday. So just a reminder, um, we are still continuing our live streaming and our message recording and uh, that will continue perpetually uh, even after COVID. If you're ever not able to attend or somebody's sick at home, <clears throat> we're live streaming to Facebook and YouTube um, and they're improving it and uh, that is continuing. If you're ever wondering, is it being recorded? Is it being streamed? Yes, it is. And the audio is also available in the week. If you have an Apple phone, you can get it on Apple Podcasts. You can get it on uh, several things um, on your phone, um, on the website. Uh, there's plenty of places. If you miss the message, there's plenty of places where you can get it. And we, we did that for COVID's sake, but um, we found that it's, it's helpful to you. We're going to continue doing that. And if you're wondering, okay, what apps, how do I download it? How do I get it? Um, you can ask me. You can contact the office. Um, we can help you get set up. Okay. <clears throat> and then just to note that our terms are rather... Um, our first term... <laughs> Uh, is starting uh, in May. It's the second term, but it's the first time this year we're starting up our 9 a.m. ministries. We're starting Sunday school. Uh, we're we're uh, starting Wednesday night again. Um, I'm speaking to some people about um, reviving Iron Men, doing something for the men on Saturday mornings again. So... Um, all of that is happening, and it's starting uh, very soon in May when we start with the second term. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> All right. Let's stand for the call to worship. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. <clears throat> Therefore... Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, let us be gracious, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. <clears throat> Lord God, we come to you humbly this morning, and we thank you for this beautiful day that we can worship you. Lord, we, we pray that our worship and our service may be marked with reverence, that we may always be reminded of your greatness and your holiness and be humbled by that. And this is what we want to be reminded of now as we worship you in song and the reading of the word and, and the fellowship of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Just uh, before we begin our songs, I'd just uh, like to say that on the 9th of May, Lord willing, we are starting with church history in the 9 a.m. class. And uh, the apologist, James White, who has done over 150 moderated debates, so debating atheists, Muslims, Roman Catholics, uh, all these people said that the two subjects that he had at the seminary that helped him the most were biblical Greek and church history. So I don't know how many of you are planning to do biblical Greek in your life, but if you do church history, then you're halfway there. So I want to encourage you for that. So, but let's uh, sing our first song this morning, number 10. Hymn number 10, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing.
Okay, well, let's sing, let's, uh, sing it a cappella this morning while we're busy sorting out the sound. It's not a, it's not a problem. So, so number 10, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing on the first. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. On the fourth, he breaks the power of cancelled sin, he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Amen. We can remain standing for our second song at the cross, number 129. 129 at the cross. our third hymn, we're going to do communion, if I can ask the, um, Brother Frank and Una to come and assist me.
Let me rather keep this on for now. We haven't done communion in such a long time. The Lord commands that, um, that we do it to remember the sacrifice on the cross. Just celebrated Easter, something that um, we would do much more often now that we're semi back into things. <clears throat> but for um, for our people, I'm sure you know how it works. This is for believers. Is this? Um, is this mic on? It is. Okay, you guys can hear me. <clears throat> this is for believers. Uh, it, it is where the body of Christ remembers his sacrifice on the cross. So if you are not a believer, if you do not understand what happened at the cross, if you have not personally placed your faith um, in him, do not partake. Nobody is going to look at you please ask that question and come see us afterwards if that's the case. For our younger children, many of you are saved. Some are still a bit too young to, um, to place faith in Christ, and so parents are doing a great job shepherding there, but um, leave that in your discretion. Uh, so we're going to serve the, um, the bread first, and wait until everyone has received, and then we will read scripture and pray and partake together. Has everyone that would like to receive been served? Okay. <clears throat> so in Corinthians chapter 11, Paul teaches about um, the Lord's Supper. And he says this, I received of the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night which he was betrayed took bread when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of him. Lord, we do thank you for the body, your body, that was broken and torn for us and what was endured on the cross we cannot imagine, but we thank you for your willing sacrifice because you loved us. Amen. We'll do the same with the, the bread.
Paul goes on, verse 25, in the same manner he took the cup after he had supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, once again, we thank you for your blood that was shed. That blood is necessary for the washing of sins and for the payment of sins. That you are the ultimate and final sacrificial lamb that shed his blood for the sins of the world. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. As we collect the cups, we're going to sing one more hymn. Thank you to Franklin Unif for assisting there. Amen. As we remain seated, let's sing uh, number 235, 235, Near to the Heart of God. for the offering. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can be here this morning to once again remember, and we are so bad at remembering, Lord. You always come through for us. You are our provider and our sustainer, and yet we so often think that we can do life without you, Lord. And here we are just reminded again this morning that we are here because you freely gave your Son, Jesus Christ, as an offering for our sins, and therefore... We cannot help but give back to you, Lord, not because we want something in return, but because of what you have given to us. And I pray that as we give to the work of the ministry, that your name may be glorified in all the earth. Amen.
nights. Let's see what I got in the box here. It's quite full this morning. Um, put it here. Let's talk about what people do for a living. In other words, the jobs that they do to earn money, to support their families. Some mornings, Robin asks, where are you going, Daddy? And I say, I'm going to work. But why? So you can have nice things to eat and toys to play with and... Okay. <clears throat> Let's say a person uses this in their job. A, a ball. This one is very flat, so it can't bounce. <clears throat> but what would you be if you use a ball like this when you go to work? What would your job be? Hmm? Basketball player? Yeah, okay. Professional athlete. Yes. What? Coach. A coach will also use this. That's right. Great. <clears throat> That's a job you can do. Good job. What about <clears throat> if when you go to work in the morning, I don't know if this, they do a nine-to-five job, I don't think so. But if you use this in your job, what would you be? A singer, yeah. You write music, you maybe talk on the radio. Lots of jobs use a microphone. What about if you went to work and in your suitcase or, or your bag you found stuff like this what would your job be this is a bandage and this is a burn emergency care kit a doctor you can be a doctor yes Robin you're very enthusiastic a nurse that's right work in the medical field a, a paramedic <clears throat> all right you guys are very clever what about if you came to work in the morning and you had this? Um, let's just check who the author is. Oh, never mind. It's a Bible. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, yes, that is very true, Jeannie. I do use this in my, uh, in my work often, if not all the time, like I should. <laughs> but... I am not the only person with a job that uses this book. <clears throat> you know <clears throat> that the Bible has a lot to say about being a Christian. It tells us being a Christian is like being a farmer. Being a Christian is like being a soldier. Being a Christian is like being a waiter at a restaurant. It compares being a Christian to a lot of different jobs. And being a Christian, if we do it right, should be a 24-7 full-time job. We can't one day be a Christian, the next day be an unbeliever. <clears throat> so we're going to learn about having a career in Christianity. Here's one, one way you can do your job as a Christian better, if you're a Christian. <clears throat> you go to school, right? That's like your job right now. <clears throat> okay. And school is tough. Math and science and English. When you go to school, you make sure your books are covered. <clears throat> You make sure you're dressed in your uniform. You make sure um, you hand in your homework. <clears throat> you would not be doing your job well if you only put on one shoe in the morning and no shirt and you put your jacket over and you only did half the homework or you didn't cover your books 
right, or you covered it with banana peels or something, I don't know. <clears throat> when you think about being a Christian, what would, what would doing it only a little bit be? And what would doing a good job be? Okay. So we're going to learn about that today. Think about it. All right. Our intercessory prayer this morning, I'd like to go out to, um, <clears throat> to Pastor David and Julie and the McCrum family. They are tentatively, Lord willing, <clears throat> going to be in South Africa for a few weeks at the end of May. And um, it's, it's almost final. They're... As far as I know, they're going to buy the tickets next week. So that's exciting to see them again for a little bit. Um, I'm sure on their side there's a lot of planning, a lot of logistics, and, um, and praying that, that they could come, <laughs> that um, there's nothing preventing them from coming to visit and seeing how we're doing. So he's working for a, um, a missions organization, and he is in charge of training um, on an international level. Everywhere where they're sending out missionaries, he's in charge of training those missionaries and doing training in countries where the gospel is. So in addition to coming to visit us, he's going to be doing a lot of that as well. We're doing another pastoral lectures. Uh, and he's doing several conferences in Durban, Cape Town. He's going to spend some time there and, and train men. So it's not just a social visit. He's coming for ministry as well. Let's pray for his ministry and pray for um, that time. Lord, we thank you once again for the many years that um, they have served here at the church and that you have called them away to serve in, in other areas of ministry that's very different from the traditional sense of being a pastor, yet he is still very much shepherding and, and mentoring and leading. And we pray for his ministry and that it takes him to many other places, not just South Africa, but we do pray for the, the time that, um, that is being planned Lord, if it is in your will that they may come and spend a few Sundays with us and visit with our people and um, that we may have fellowship with our dear Christian brothers and sisters again. Amen. All right. This morning we are still in chapter 12 and we're going to look at the next verse. <clears throat> three very short sentences. It's called A Career in Christianity. <clears throat> you know, we all appreciate, hopefully we all appreciate a job well done. <clears throat> Getting to the end of the day, stiff bones, but happy with what we've achieved, and we can, we can go to sleep knowing we've done a good job. There's a sense of satisfaction in that. <clears throat> what if, however, <clears throat> we apply that same logic to being a Christian, <clears throat> What would doing the bare minimum just so that the boss can get off our back or just so that we can avoid a written warning look like when we're a Christian? And what would 
doing a good job look like? <clears throat> For many, in general, um, I see both examples. I see <clears throat> where someone would give out a tract to someone else in the parking lot. And it is, it's as if they worked an 80-hour week plus overtime. And then they expect overtime pay. Or they would, in general, not anything specific, wash the cups after an event or come help out at, on a Saturday for whatever reason to fix something. And man, they are rock star Christians. They're, they, are, they, are just, they are just super, super, super faithful. And God must be over the moon with how, um, how much work they're putting in. I'm being very cynical. I'm sorry. It's, it's maybe coming across a bit, um, a bit personal. <clears throat> But I do unfortunately see that, not currently, not in any specific way, I just have. I've also seen the other spectrum of that, where, where you just can't keep this person away. <laughs> just go home and rest. We'll get somebody else for this one. You've done plenty. You've, I wish I had 10 more like you, you know? What we're going to read about a Christian work ethic, it finds flaws in both of those areas. You're not a productive worker if you overwork yourself into the hospital. Just as much as you're not a productive worker if you are hiding in the, in the coffee room making excuses. So let's read it this morning. It's just one very short verse. Romans chapter 12. From verse... I'm sorry, it's right in this one. 11. Do not be lazy in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. <clears throat> Lord, as we consider these short yet profound words, may we seek to apply it and seek to serve you in these, in these measured and, um, and biblical ways. Please help us not to go down our own path of service. In Jesus' name, amen. So firstly, when it comes to a Christian work ethic, we have to be industrious. So here it says, do not be lazy, do not be slothful. Um, it says, in diligence. Some translations would say, um, do not be slothful in business. Okay? <clears throat> now the nice thing about doing short verses like this is we can get a bit more down into the meaning of the words and so forth. Um, um, it doesn't actually s say business. What the meaning there is trying to convey is something that we apply ourselves to purposefully. We exert energy into whatever. Now, almost always that would be business. It would be your job. If you think about um, a pie chart and where you exert your energy into, <laughs> it would probably be what your job. <clears throat> um, but the word diligence there, I think, is a, is a great word because um, it's telling us that um, to be industrious, to not be lazy in 
the thing that we are about to apply our energy to. Now, it's very broad, but I think it's purposefully so. <clears throat> when we serve, being a Christian is not a nine-to-five thing, and um, you literally cannot be a believer the one day and not a believer the next, yet people try all the time. <laughs> and they think that that's possible. We can punch out. <clears throat> to serve God not in, um, in measures that we think are appropriate, if that makes sense. Let me, um, let me just read my Bible today so that it can be done and that the boss can get off my back. Let me just give out this tract so that I can scoot a little bit of, of guilt off my shoulders for not sharing the gospel enough and get by another day. <clears throat> It's less addressing the actual work we do and rather addressing the mindset with which we approach that work. <clears throat> the next thing is to be passionate. To be passionate. Fervent in spirit. <clears throat> The word is, is um, translated literally sometimes as well. It, it talks about a glowing fire, uh, the heat and the light emanating from um, a, a source, an energy source. Um, fervent talks about a bellowing fire as well. And the spirit there, you know, when I was drawing up the Constitution, we, we had, um, I had, I had a talk with, with some people explaining um, that when the Bible talks about spirit, it sometimes uses the word, I'm sure you're all familiar with psyche, the Greek word psyche, um, where our emotions and our will and our intellect um, exist. But in this one, it uses the word um, pneuma, like the wind, okay? We would use the same word to talk about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so what is it saying to be, to be fervent in spirit? <clears throat> that when we serve, let it not be like when Jesus rebuked the churches in Revelations. Um, I'd rather have you cold than lukewarm. You're serving diligently. You're applying yourselves mentally and emotionally and physically. You are doing a lot of work. But it says you have lost your first love. That's the warning it issues. <clears throat> that we are not just fervent in our mental capacity to do the work, but we are fervent spiritually to do the work. Lest it becomes a habit and a routine and something that just needs to be checked off. <clears throat> and then... The last sentence, you could say, be ready. <clears throat> it just says, serve the Lord. But that serve, again, we have the time to look at the words and unpackage it a little bit. <clears throat> it's the same kind of service um, that a slave would give to his master. Um, uninhibited, completely 
Lord, I am serving you. Um, I don't do two jobs. I don't um, punch out at night. Um, this is what I do. <clears throat> but it also talks about the idea of being on standby. Now, those, those ideas are sort of, aren't they contradictory? I mean, when we are told by the Lord, Lord, this is what we need to do. This is where you would have me. And then the, your, your thinking is, okay, then I'm just going to get on with it. And if you need anything, you let me know. And we work and we work and we work and we work and we work. But actually, it's not like that. That we are, are constantly waiting on the Lord, on standby. I've never been a waiter, but um, they don't just keep serving food. Okay, your job is to serve food. I didn't order this. <laughs> I'm full. The thing is, when we serve, however sincerely, and we take our eyes off the Lord, we forget to wait on the Lord, then there's no point there anymore. And we actually become in great danger of sinning. So under serve the Lord, I want you to consider three things here. And I'm just going to, I mentioned it, I'm just going to break it up into three things. You can write this down. <clears throat> Firstly, <clears throat> to serve the Lord, we must not seek the approval or the standards of others because they are only human. One of the pitfalls of distracting us from waiting on the Lord is that we serve because of what others might think. <clears throat> we, uh, we, we want the acknowledgement and approval of others as human beings, and, um, and that so easily filters into our service for the Lord, not in the church, only but um, the 24-hour job of being a Christian and even something sincere like signing up for all the committees and um, applying yourselves in your ministry can become sinful when we do it because of what will people say if I don't? I don't know. There's many mindsets that can be attached to this way of thinking, but it's a danger. We serve, and it's a danger because when we don't get the approval from others, then we become discouraged. Nobody, nobody acknowledges what I'm doing. Nobody, nobody cares. I'm just another cog in the machine. That is not true. We serve the Lord whether whatever we're doing, and there is reward in heaven, and he acknowledges us. And it's so wonderful to be approved by our Father in heaven. That is what we, that's what motivates us. Secondly, <clears throat> we are only human, and so we shouldn't work for our Self-approval. What do I mean by that? I mean, many times there's a danger that we apply uh, our own standards to the service we give to the Lord. And we think, if I only do this much more, God will be pleased. If I only do this much, God will be pleased. If I only, and you do more and more and more and more, and you get to the point where you say, if I stop doing any of this, if I stop juggling even one of these hundred balls, God will be displeased with me. 
And we are even in more danger of that because our motivation is, no, we, we're motivated purely. We're seeking the approval of God. Uh, I'm doing this for Him. That's true, but not according to His standards. Well, what is His standards? We just read it in the previous two sentences, that we are fervent in spirit <clears throat> and that we are industrious in the task at hand, however small, however simple. Uh, his, God's approval is not directly proportionate to the amount of skin that comes off our fingertips when we work. And thirdly, serving God <clears throat> that we do not work <clears throat> for self-authentication or the, or, the, or the approval of the work itself. Let's rather put it like that. And by far, that is the most dangerous. And unfortunately, at least as a pastor, that is what I am most susceptible to, or pastors. <clears throat> when we serve the Lord for so long, <clears throat> that we are so embedded, we are so one with the work that we do, that we can't let it go. That that service becomes our idol and we stopped doing that for the Lord and we rather just did it perpetually because look how shiny and efficient and successful this work is or this ministry has become. <clears throat> and if you ask any preacher, this is, it's almost a nightmare for, for many. If the Lord told you tomorrow to just shut it all down, if you knew that this is what God wanted, close the doors, send everyone home, um, no more church, God's going to send you somewhere else and you've got to shut it down. That's what God said. Would you be able to do it? I don't think many ministers would have the courage to say yes. And we become so, um, it's become an idol. <laughs> that can happen in any aspect of our walk with the Lord, of our service to Him. We must never even place that before the glory of God. <clears throat> and so, um, I'll just illustrate in, in closing this last point in two ways, okay? <clears throat> so, I got sick in, the, in January, <clears throat> 1st of February, I don't know, I lost track of time. <clears throat> and I was sick for so long that I couldn't do much of anything. Um, <clears throat> I tried to work. It was impossible for me to, to be productive, to stand here and to speak and to preach. For more than a month, others had to preach instead of me. <clears throat> and it was incredibly frustrating <clears throat> and difficult and I thought, I'm so anxious to get back to work, to serve God. Lord, why is, why is that an issue? <laughs> <clears throat> well, it took me longer, I think, than it should have to realize that um, uh, this, that was exactly what I needed. And maybe it still is, because you can hear I'm still a little bit coughing. <clears throat> I, in the hospital, um, I had literally nothing else to do except read my Bible and pray for people. 
And at first I thought I was being unproductive. I even got to share the gospel with people I would have never got to share the gospel with. And I realized um, that I'm serving the Lord. I'm not serving a ministry. I'm not serving the Lord to my own standards. I'm not serving him for the approval of others. And, um, and I really did enjoy the, that time. Retrospectively, everything looks better. I really did appreciate and value that time tremendously. Um, the other example is when Pastor David left. <clears throat> Ironically, I remember him saying, long ago, not in relation to him leaving, he said, if the Lord wants me to go, he will have to show me, a, <laughs> not a sign, but the sentiment was, I am not going anywhere unless practically an angel from heaven comes down and tells me to leave. And you know, him going, I believe that he was completely obedient and faithful to the Lord. That that is what the Lord truly wanted of him. And, um, and to leave something that you've known your whole life we don't know how hard it actually was. But he did because his service was not um, his value and his approval. His career as a Christian was not bound to the work but to the glory of God. <clears throat> Let us...